0: Good evening, everyone. So, there's a joke among priests and probably just a lot of Christians in general. Tonight's gospel is the most disobeyed teaching of Jesus Christ that exists. And every one of you sinners is guilty of it. And so am I. This is a hard one tonight, isn't it? Fraternal correction is just hard. It's hard to go to another person and challenge them. It's hard to call them out on their sins. And so you and I struggle with it. Uh, And if you're anything like me, you've had really bad experiences of people who seem not to know that Matthew chapter 18 exists. So Matthew 18, right? What we're supposed to do, it's very clear. If you have a brother or a sister who sins against you You go to them. (laughs) No, I I know you know this. You go to them. And that's hard for all of us, isn't it? We don't go to somebody else first. We don't post post it on social media. If someone has sinned against you, you have to go talk to them. That takes courage, it takes humility, it takes confidence that you and I actually love each other, and that it's worth doing this. So whenever this reading comes up, there's an analogy I think about, is that whenever we have fraternal correction with each other, it just stings. Right, none of us want to do it. We don't don't wanna go call someone out on something. Maybe a couple of you do. And we, the rest, you, you kind of three people in the church, you drive the rest of us nuts. But also, none of us want to be corrected. Right? Nobody desires that. Nobody loves it when someone comes up to them and says, hey, I've got to talk to you, and we've got to hash some things out. It takes mature Christians to be able to do this well. So whenever I think about this, there's that sting on both sides of this issue. And it makes me think of um, an analogy where you and I don't want to feel pain. If you go through a period of life where you have a lot of pain, uh, there's nothing you long for more than for the pain just to go away. Sometimes when people have chronic pain, it's just something we can't even imagine. There's actually, though, a disease that certain people have, it's a very small percentage of the population, who actually are incapable of feeling physical pain. It's called congenital, they usually call it CIP, congenital inability to feel pain. And you're like, I want to be one of those people, right? No, you don't. Whenever we hurt, we wish we didn't. And physically, it's just a great analogy for this. We always don't want to go through those moments of physical pain. So people who have this disease, it is truly horrific. And so I was reading this week in preparation for tonight's homily about um, the one story where there's a young man in his 20s who has this, And when he was growing up, his parents, they didn't know what was wrong with him. They just didn't know. He would routinely just kind of run into walls. Uh, He would hurt himself very seriously in all kinds of different ways. And they thought that maybe he had a mental disorder. But it wasn't that. He just, he couldn't feel physical pain. And so the kinds of things that you and I avoid because they hurt, he never learned to avoid them. It's actually tragic. What happens to a lot of these people who have this, and again, like um, they estimate there's only a couple hundred people on earth that have this uh, dysfunction, this disease. What happens to them is a lot of them die at an early age because they have not learned to avoid things that are dangerous. And the ones who have avoided, kind of learned to to be a little bit safer in their lives, a very common thing for them is that they um, they end up with massive problems with their joints. And many of them, by the time they're in their 20s, have to be in wheelchairs because they've destroyed their, their joints, and they can't actually walk. And there's huge percentages of uh, depression and even suicide uh, in that community, which is obviously tragic.
1: Your nervous system is a really
0: good thing. The whole point, the reason God gave you a nervous system, brothers and sisters, your nervous system protects you from serious danger. We all wish that we didn't feel that sting or that moment of pain, but it's there for a reason. It's there to protect us. And you can probably already see where this is going. We have a a warning system for our bodies to protect us from serious dangers, but you also have one for your soul. And the warning system for your soul is called your conscience. And here's the really weird thing about your conscience, and this is what Jesus teaches us tonight, is that your conscience is not perfect. Your conscience actually needs to be formed. Your conscience needs other people. We need each other. I have blind spots sometimes. There's times in my life where I think I'm just living fine and everything's great and I'm a priest, and what could go wrong? And I need people who love me. That's the key. We'll get to that. I need people who actually love me, and they love me enough to say, FB, you're missing something here. You're absolutely missing something. So this morning, I was thinking and praying about this, and so I did the same thing you probably did. As I read one of Plato's dialogues. And you were like, Matthew 18, it's time to pull out Plato and read the Gorgeous again. Uh, It was great, wasn't it? (laughs) Calicles is kind of a punk, but you know, whatever. Alright, I know, priest jokes. Okay. In the Gorgeous, Plato makes a great analogy. Um, He does this amazing thing. And so... Do you guys, when you're driving, Denver's gotten so crazy, when you're driving and you see somebody that got pulled over, do you feel bad for them? Who feels bad for them? Okay, four people. Okay? (laughs) I knew Christians were judgmental. Um, (laughs) How many of you don't feel bad for them? Okay. And the rest of you need to grow in courage, right? I saw a bunch of hands that were like, I, I kind of go back and forth. I used to feel really bad for people. Now traffic's so bad in Denver and people do things that are unbelievable. And I'm like, yeah, you jerk. You deserve to be pulled over. And I hope you get a $1,000 fine, right? <laughs> uh. And then I slow down and I point at my collar. I'm like... <laughs> uh. Here's the thing. So sometimes when someone receives a punishment, we feel bad for them. In the gorges... Plato, the main point of that dialogue, and Pla- I, always, I always say it wrong, Plato wrote those, the main character is Socrates. And so Socrates is in dialogue with three people in that, in that dialogue. We won't go through it. But here's the main point of that dialogue. Is one of the characters uh, says, Plato, or uh, he says, Socrates, I think the happiest people on earth are the wicked. Because Socrates challenged him, and Socrates says, he says, anyone who does evil is necessarily unhappy. Necessarily unhappy. And Socrates' dialogue partner says, sure doesn't look like it. And I bet you felt that way. I know I have in my life. And as as, uh, Socrates goes through this dialogue, his interlocutors, what they say is they say, it it sure looks like the wicked are pretty happy. They live for money. They use other people and they get ahead. looks like they look pretty happy. And Socrates goes a step further. I love this. In the gorgeous, he makes the argument, he says, the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being is that they do wicked things and they get away with it. He says, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And This is why, right, as a good Christian and as someone who agrees with Socrates, when someone gets pulled over, you're like, I love you so much, I'm happy you got pulled over. But here's the point. It's very simple. Socrates is a very simple point. His point, he's not even a Christian. Socrates' simple point that he says is obvious is that the greatest thing you have is your soul. And if something bad happens to you with the things you possess, or with your body even, that that pales in comparison to if you have a disease in your soul. The early Christians would look at this and they would say, "God was working with the pagans. There were certain pagans that were on their way that really were preparing themselves and the world for Christianity. And isn't this true, brothers and sisters? You know it's far worse than getting pulled over? is if you become the kind of person who is reckless with other people's lives. What's worse than than being poor is if you are someone who worships money and you manipulate other people to worship money. Your soul is the greatest thing you have. And if in your soul you have a disease where you're the kind of person who grows to hate other people. If your soul has a disease where you become the type of person who uses other people. Brothers and sisters, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And So tonight, our gospel and all of our readings are very simple. It's it's a commandment, not just an encouragement, that you and I as brothers and sisters would love each other enough to care about each other. In a certain sense, brothers and sisters, you are my spiritual nervous system. You're the ones who are called for me and for each other to protect the church from grave danger. And so briefly, I just want to pull out a couple things from what Jesus teaches here in Matthew 18. The first thing is this. You ever met that person who loves to go around and tell you everything that's wrong with you? If you don't know that person, it's probably you. Right? You're probably the one. Um, That's not what Matthew 18 is saying. So the the translation betrayed us a little bit tonight. Uh, Matthew 18, 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. The Greek word to tell that's that's translated that tonight is elenko. And it is not just go tell someone something. That word... A better translation of that word, that's the word that the New Testament uses when Jesus rebukes demons. Lanko does not mean, hey, you know, Father Brian, like, you were a little short with me last week. What tonight's gospel is about is about serious sins. It's not about small things, and you and I, I'm convinced of this, you and I are not God's moral police. The first stance for our community is meant to be if someone is doing something that's irritating you, you love them with all you've got and you bear it with patience. The teaching on fraternal correction is about serious sin. And then, right, there's the ordering. You go to your brother or your sister first, then you bring two or three others with you. Then you go to the church, and if they won't listen to the church, you treat them as a tax collector or a Gentile. So two practical things. There's two ways to look at this. If you're scared to go to a brother or sister who's in a really serious state of sin, or they've sinned against you, as Matthew says tonight, as Jesus says tonight, Courage is the virtue you need. St. Thomas Aquinas says, Courage is the willingness to suffer for what is good. The willingness to suffer for what is good. And the person sitting next to you or behind you is good. And we don't want to go and correct them because we're scared they're going to get mad at us. And that means that you and I have to grow in love. We have to love those around us, not just in words, but in a real way. Secondly, what if, what if our community looked something like this? What if in our Catholic community here at Lords, what if we assumed that when people had to call us out on something, what if we assumed that they just loved us that much? On the receiving end of correction, it's never easy to do this, but you ever met someone who receives correction? Well, they are the best people, right? When someone corrects me, the first thing I think of is, do you know who I am? (laughs) I can go to our parish database and I know your home address, I'm coming after you, right? So I got a little bit of work to do. But sometimes you meet people and they say, they, they just, you can feel it, they have this assumption that, wow, this person loves me and they want what's best for me. If you and I all had that attitude, if we all embraced that, confrontation would go so smoothly. It would go a huge way. That's worth praying about. Lastly tonight, I want to leave you with this. This is really cool. There's one twist to our gospel tonight. So Jesus says, right, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him, you and him alone. If he doesn't listen, bring two or three others. And if he doesn't listen to them, go and tell the church. And if he doesn't listen to the church, treat him as a... Tax collector is so cute when you whisper... Love it. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 18. What did Matthew do for a living? Matthew was a tax collector. And so when Jesus and Matthew records this, he says, treat them as you would a tax collector or a Gentile. Matthew's gospel has a massive focus that for the outsiders, people like tax collectors and Gentiles. Guess what Jesus does? He seeks them out, and he loves them. One amazing thing, Lord tonight, give us humility to receive correction open our hearts and our minds that we would assume that our brothers and sisters love us and want what is good for us. Jesus, grant us courage to love our brothers and sisters, to love them enough that when they're in a seriously bad way, to tell them the truth. And Jesus, may we always, always have a heart for the tax collector and the Gentile.